Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 132 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex... Episode 132, we are recording this one on a Saturday evening, Saturday morning, your time. How are you today? Uh, you even work on Saturdays. I, I stood high by default. Yeah. I'm working right now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you think I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, you think I come here on my vacation days? No. Yeah. Nah, nah. Um, yeah, everything's going well. I, I'm a little sick today, guys, so I apologize if I sound a little more froggier and nasally and uh cage like in my delivery uh have you ever heard of the rapper cage barry cage um cage not familiar he was eminem before eminem uh, just out of curiosity you should listen to one or two of his cds it's very interesting and eminem even makes frequent reference to it in his first album about how he's a cage ripoff Right. So he's he's kind of in the lore of hip hop, but he's got a very nasally voice, and I feel like him today. But yeah, you know everything's going good, man. I'm looking at the Colorado River right now. It's a beautiful sunny day in Bullhead City, Arizona. I'm starting to really, I'm starting to really like this place. I like the heat. I like walking around here. I think it's because I've lost, uh, well, 44 pounds nice. over the last six months, and now. Oddly, the heat isn't as uncomfortable because my fat, saggy ass is not sweating everywhere when I'm walking around. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm like, hey, I kind of like the heat. So yeah, I've been, I'm, in, I've been enjoying that. It reminds me of Costa Rica, which is, to be honest, I'm a little homesick. It felt like home for seven and a half years. Yeah. So like getting to be in the heat, walk around. I do get to speak Spanish around here occasionally. Like I was at, I was at a store recently. And a lot of the stuff was in Spanish, and, and there was a little boy, and we, you know, we got to talk, and, you know, I said, talk to me in English, and then he was like, no, like, oh, talk to me in Spanish, and I was like, oh, okay, my, nosotros hablamos en español, <laughs> like, let's go, like, that just, I just said, we're going to speak in Spanish now, right, and then we just, you know, it's it's been cool, because I thought I would lose my Spanish, I would lose uh, a lot of things, and I, I didn't really... I've, I'm feeling a lot happier here than I thought I would, and the people are very nice here. Yeah, well, I definitely uh, make out. It doesn't look like I'm going to be there in May. Um, oh no, dude! Yeah, just too much. I'm, I'm going away to Spain next week for two weeks. That's been booked for months and months. Me and my partner, and uh, it's just like we've moved places now as well. We've not 
not had a chance to settle, you know, so it's like going away again so soon. I would literally need to get on a flight three days after coming back and then go away for another little while, but maybe later in the year or next year or something, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, I'm really sad that you can't come here, but I want to focus on something else you said. I never refer to my girlfriend as my partner because I'm secretly worried everybody's going to think I'm gay if I don't, <laughs> like, yeah. a, you know, if I don't inject oh, no, this the is, pronoun this, later. No, no, me and my fiancé broke up. I'm now living with a guy called Patrick. Yeah, just Oh, of it. course he's Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, like, I, do you know what it is? I think, like, fiancé always sounds, like, a bit too fancy or something when I say it. Uh, say we partner. are engaged, but, yeah, I think I just say partner by default, but... I kind of like partner in the sense that, like, after nine years of being together, we kind of are like a partnership. You know, it's like a partnership. Yes, I, I, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it, how you choose certain words and, and whatever, especially about uh, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I just always just say it, you know? With the girl I'm saying now, if I'm talking about us, I say partner. I just don't do it in public, which is very strange because you're right. It is a partnership at some point. And when you get older, you start, it feels like two comic book characters trying to come together. It's like, what are your stats when it comes to cooking? Okay, these are my <laughs> stats. Okay, how are we going to fix this yeah, if we're actually going to work resolution. well together? <laughs> I'm sorry, what would you say? Conflict resolution, like the top Trump's cards, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, conflict resolution, <laughs> ability to not raise voice in an argument, <laughs> things like this, yeah. right? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because it really is a partnership, and if you think about it in that way and uh, as something you have to work on, I think it's much more enjoyable, but... It, it, yeah, I think when that, people what do I've the, learned is just reality as well. It's not even enjoyable or it'll make art. It's just reality. If you want to do something for exactly. a prolonged period of time, it's like you've got to. You know what I mean? It's like it, exactly. And the other thing, I I, I was gonna say, it, it well, how was I gonna put this? <laughs> no, it, uh, I'm I'm kind of blanking on the concept I was gonna go with, but there. It does take that much time, but it's worth it because, like, even with my ex-wife, it, it, you know, we were partners for seven years. Like, we're still friends now because we had that base. We had that, you know, we were really good friends first, right? And reality is that's how things are yeah. if you really want to make it work. But when I listen to the radio now and I'm thinking, this is what kids are listening to? It's like, I'll kill myself if I can't be with you. Whoa, homie. <laughs> like... That's probably why she left you right there. You're needy as hell. Like, yeah. what is what is up with that, dude? Like, it, I don't know. It kind of weirds me out. Like, coming back to America has had, first off, everything is so cheap and so easily available here. That really blows my mind because for seven years in Costa Rica, uh, in, a, in a square mile of Bullhead City, there is more cost and convenience and products than there is in maybe all of San Jose when it comes to not San Jose just has a limited number of wares they can bring in because of all their different trade treaties or whatever in America just everything is available all the time yeah. 24 hour everything but now that I've lived in Costa Rica I feel like I'm seen into the matrix when I return here it's just you know you, you I'm going for a run and I haven't eaten and there's 
I just see all the food everywhere that people are eating, like Carl's Jr. and Taco Bell and stuff. And that's just all people are eating, man. And then, yeah, they're just, ah, and the music is the, what got me. Like, every time I turn on the radio, it's the same four songs, and they're all about really unhealthy emotional relationships. And I'm thinking, that doesn't sound realistic. And I think if that's your expectations, you're going to be really miserable in life. I think you're being poisoned here, too. Yeah. But, yeah, Mike. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be a conspiracy theorist. I'm gonna become Jesse Ventura uh, <laughs> eventually. I'm gonna be the next Alex Jones as we go further yeah. into this episode. But and yeah, that was there was the new Homeland uh, season six or whatever. There was the guy that played a sort of Alex Jones character in it. I don't know. If oh, it nice. It was like so heavy. Even the voice was like it was hilarious. Actually, it was a real uh, Alex. Alex Jones. Do you think Alex Jones is in on the joke? I don't know if he is. I don't like, think if, he is. Or if he is. You think that's um, him? You think that's him? Or do you think he's a performance artist? It's, it's so hard to call these days. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. what, I don't know. I think he's kind of become a caricature of himself and he's made a big following and he's selling books or products or whatever and it's kind of taken on a life of his own. You know what I mean? But right. I don't know. I, I think he believes at all what he's saying and the way he is. And I, Then again, how much do you actually play up when you're on air like to the character or the pantomime of it as well? It's, it's weird. You know, I remember... Well, I don't see much of him these days. I, I used to see things like shared all the time. And I don't really... You know, I don't know if I'm looking at different he's things on uh, YouTube or that now, but I don't really get like Alex Jones videos like popping up in my sort of... Uh, social media sphere or whatever, you know. So he's embroiled in a custody battle right now in Texas, is my belief. And his lawyers were saying he's a performance artist, and that's why he deserves the kids. And he's saying I'm not a performance artist. I I believe all of this. And I'm thinking if your kids are at stake and this is a joke, you're. you're you're a special, yeah, yeah. you're a special case, my friend. That's you method are a, acting, you know. Yeah, that would be method. That, that that is method acting. You see any good movies recently? Um, well, I, I've been. I restart. I I think I maybe mentioned this to you off air, or maybe it was on air. But we especially it's going to sound rich about us like joking about wasting time on box sets and that. But I really believe some are art, like you've said. You've said, like, you know, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul is art and stuff. And for me, The Sopranos is. And I've not watched The Sopranos since uh, James Gandolfini died in real life. And I, I always think it's great to watch these shows, you know, a few years later, like when different stuff's happened to you in your life, etc. When there were special shows to you. Right. And watch them from a different perspective or whatever. It's, it's weird. So I restarted The Sopranos recently, and I, I'm loving it. So it's the, my favorite show of all time. I think it's just impeccable. Everything, the soundtrack, the acting, the story, the comedy, uh, everything is just perfect about it. Like the writing is just amazing. The the scripts, the way they talk, it's just great. I, I love The Sopranos. And um, I've not, I'm trying to think of the last movie I actually like sat and watched, but. No, pretty much um, Billions. I've been watching that. That's been excellent. I've been watching a lot of TV shows, actually. The the box sets, Billions, and uh, I finished Homeland, and then The Sopranos I've restarted. So, yeah, I've not, not really watched many movies recently. I, although, you probably see, when, that's what is weird and worries me sometimes. 
you could then say something after that. Oh, I watched that five days ago and I literally forgot it. You know, it's it's it's. <laughs> um, I don't know. I watched that Passengers not long ago. I liked that. Um, I I enjoyed that movie. It wasn't yeah. good sci-fi, but I don't think it was supposed to be good sci-fi. Can I ask you a question? Mm. It, it, tell me what you think of this. Are these crime shows? Because I was thinking, I would like to rewatch The Sopranos as you were talking about it. Actually, I've only seen the first season. To be perfectly honest with you, I loved it. I never watched past that. Uh, I'm not really sure why that is. Boardwalk Empire Two, I loved for three seasons, and then I just stopped watching. Oh, no. Right as Nucky, right <laughs> as Nucky Thompson got to Florida, I stopped watching. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, I really want to go back and watch those shows, and I realize why those shows probably change every three or four years. Is I think criminals, when what we see when we watch shows about criminals, are people stuck in a life that once looked glamorous and is no longer so, right. and they can't find a way out. And I think that's what most of us feel like our lives are like, which we thought something was going to be glamorous, and instead, it's a grind. Yeah. And uh, we don't know when our life could be taken at any time, and that's why we resonate with those shows, even though 99.9% of us would never shoot a person if yeah. given the, We're given not the opportunity. Whacked, hopefully, you know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we don't get whacked. But, yeah, it's a, I've always felt like people feeling trapped is why they like criminals, gangster stories, because they're trapped. Yeah. They're, they're trapped the entire time, and they have no way out. And at the end of the movie, you can go, well, at least I'm not that guy. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. worrying about somebody shooting him. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's always been my thought. What do you think? No, that's, that's a really uh, good point, actually, in terms of an analysis, in terms of just even movies like Goodfellas and Casino, it's always the anti-hero sort of thing. You know what I, mean? I like, love Goodfellas. The, the dinner scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just great. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. That's horrible. That's but true. the yeah. first time I saw that movie, I just cracked up. There, oh, You can't leave your mom hanging when it comes to dinner. <laughs> yeah. That's just not the Italian in me, man. Yeah, like, do you like, have the knife? It's like to cut the foot off this is hoof or whatever it's leg. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, yeah. And they take the knife. He's like, I'll bring this back. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just like chocolate body. It's such a. Well, it's so funny when it comes on TNT or something, but it's like, oh yeah, man, turn it up. And then they edit out every cuss word, and then the, uh, you know, I'll get, come over here, you chicken head. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and it's a, uh, you know, and then they have to take out a lot of the fun, not the funnier scenes. I was gonna say funnier, but <laughs> the more violent scenes. Yeah. And. uh uh, it's a, it's weird. I guess we should get into some poker yeah. questions. Yeah, but before we do, you need to watch uh, the rest of Boardwalk Empire and specifically The Sopranos. Fire. I mean, oh, The Sopranos is just... Oh, Alex. Harry, Harry I will watch them if you pronounce them fire. I want to hear, I wanna hear they you are say fire. They are fire. They're, 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 la, they're lava. They're lava. <laughs> you, you, you might be the whitest person I know. I thought I was the whitest person I knew. But, oh, did you see my battle came out? Did we talk about that? Uh, no, no. Uh, my battle came out. It's terrible. Like, it's really bad. <laughs> like, uh, I wrote everything in the last few days. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's really bad. It's, uh, I, I, I won the battle, but... I don't know how, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's out there though. If you guys want to see it, like I, I've clearly, uh, I had some really good punchlines in it, but that's about it. It's uh, it's not 
it's not bad. It's just it's clear I didn't know I memorized the material with like forty eight hours to go, and yeah, I have to retread it a bunch of times. But yeah. Uh, anyway, just thought I should let everybody know that's out. Assassin Isle versus Sizzle B. If you want to check that out, it's uh yeah you know I promise I'll do better next time. But I would like to point out that I still win the battle even when I show up unprepared and let you guys down. And I I think that means something. Now, anywho, let's go. That's the one that Carlos drove you out to. You were studying in the yeah car and yeah. Stuff, you said yeah. The the one reason you got to see that video is it is hilarious because it looks like Carlos and I are like like Carlos is standing behind me and he's the only guy standing behind me in the video and it looks so funny because like Carlos is just laughing at the guy the entire time <laughs> and like Carlos is a big guy you'll see when he's next to me yeah uh in that video like he's you know he he looks like a football player right but like not not like it, he used to look fat he's lost a ton of weight now he looks like he could actually be playing and yeah, it in yeah, it's it's pretty cool to have this NFL linebacker behind you like yelling with every line. It's like, "Yes, I'm going to win this battle for sure." And uh yeah, the other guy actually had some good lines. I just I think he's more of a musician, so he does these battles for promotion just to get his music out. I don't think he really has a problem with anyone or he really wants to battle really hard. Because I felt like if he really developed into it, he's got a really good voice. He's got a really good flow. He just, I, I don't know why he just doesn't go for the jugular in battles. Like, he could really pull it off. And then, yeah, but, yeah, any, anyway, I believe I won the battle. I don't think anybody who's going to watch it is going to disagree. But, yeah, it was a, what do they call it, a Pyrrhic victory? The, is that the word for you win, but you lost too much in the process? P-Y-H-R-I-C? How do you... <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know the word I'm talking about? Pyrrhic. Pyrrhic. Is, is it not double R H I C? Yeah, it's double, yeah. It's double R, mom. My mom yeah. says, yeah. My mom's the yeah English teacher, so she's probably right. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, anywho, let's okay. get into some poker questions. Okay, let's get into the questions. And uh, the first one this week is from Nicholas. Uh, hi. What are some good recreational activities that I can do outside of poker for downtime? I live with my long-term girlfriend, and she supports me 100% in what I do. We do some things together, but we don't live. Oh, we don't live busy lives. Many of my friends don't live nearby, or are so busy with their lives, and some have kids, that I feel my social life has really suffered over the last few years. Not just because of poker, but some other circumstances. Any ideas for things to do and try out that will help and in turn improve my mindset for when I play poker? Thank you, Nicholas, for your question, because I think it's a really good question. Isn't it funny? Did he use the words, they're so busy with life, they can't... And then a minute later, he said they can't have a social life. Yeah, he says. I, I, I think that's I, what. I, I, I don't so know if you're he's so busy that with. I'm reading that. Uh, no, no, no. He, he, I'm not trying to rag on the kid. I think it just reveals a basic blind spot we all have, which is we're so busy with life, we forget to have a life. Yeah, yeah, that, definitely. That, I can that, even equate to that. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, I relate to that rather, not equate. Yeah. <laughs> well, pe- people do the Alex. Why? Why? Uh, you know. How did you make it like 11 years, right? Well, actually, whenever I say that, I make it sound like that happened like 45 times. I actually like this question. So it's only happened like twice, right? And from my best friends. But 
I honestly think it's all the time I took off. I always was really big about traveling and taking time off. So I went to Thailand for a week in the middle of a, uh, of a tour. And, you know, I rode elephants that were probably horribly abused. And I didn't know about it at the time. But, you know, it was a good time. And, yeah. you know, I, I spent time in a lot of different parts of the world. Uh, it, it, uh, this all came at a cost to me. I didn't play as many tournaments as other people. I didn't. I spent more money than I probably should have in my early 20s. But at the same time now, I feel as if I really, really enjoy my life because the quality of my interpersonal relationships is so good. Whereas, and I just saw this TED Talk. Or I, I, don't, I didn't see the TED Talk. I read an article about it in the Washington Post. And they were discussing what actually helps people live the longest is their interpersonal relationships. Mm. Uh, that's why Italians can eat really, uh, <laughs> they can eat really greasy pasta and every day. Like they still live to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're yeah. like 102. They're still bowling and like hitting yeah. on the young 60-somethings down by the bodega. Yeah, yeah they're, kind of, they're kind of legends, right? They're still having their espressos with their pinkies out. Uh-huh. But yeah, they're, no, it, it, there's a reason, there's, I think there's one city in Greece or Italy where people live to 102 or something on average and or whatever it is, right? 96 or I, I don't know. Right. But they, they could never figure out how do they do that when they eat so much butter and drink so much wine? It's a, it's because they say hi to each other every day. Yeah. They walk by each other's gardens. They talk to each other. Now, the really cool thing about the Internet is you can do analog things through the Internet. Having a phone call is a very antiquated thing, and it has nothing to do with the digital world, but that's all Barry and I are doing right now is having a phone call. So this is actually very analog. And this, you know, Barry and I have a really good friendship, and we've never met each other. Yeah, That's, like, that's the magic of the Internet, right? And the cool thing with poker is we can have really good friendships through poker, our love for a strategy game. And as long as you're on the phone and actually talking to the person, or you guys meet up at poker tournaments and then, you know, hang out and get, get to, uh, you know, gra- grab a seltzer water. I don't know. I was going to say a drink, but I don't drink, so I don't know what you're well, supposed I, to do. I, have I a come coffee. back to Carlos. It's, I've met Carlos in person, but not you. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, Carlos, <laughs> Carlos, I think Carlos understands the way he's going to be happy is he needs nothing. He taught me that. I just read this book, The Happiness Equation, or excuse me, I read the cliff notes on Blinkist. And uh, are you on Blinkist yet, Barry? No, no. Oh, my God. It's, it's the greatest of all time. It's, uh, they just summarize nonfiction books. It's incredible. And uh, it, it, there's – hold on one second. I had a problem on my computer. Okay. They, I was reading that for this, uh, this wonderful book called The Happiness Equation. And they, it was just a guy kind of discussing mathematically what you can do mm-hmm. with yourself. And part of his equation, which I haven't read the actual book, so I haven't understood this, is want nothing, do everything, you'll be happy. And Carlos wants nothing. He's happy anywhere on earth, and he does everything, right? Like, he never, he's always networking, he's always playing cards, he's getting out there, and he's getting really good. Yeah. And that's really what we want to aspire to. Now, for you, uh, Nicholas was this guy's name, right? Yeah. Yeah, Nicholas, what you need to do, 
and what everybody needs to do if you want recreational activities outside of poker is I think it has to be outside. I think it has to be interpersonal, face-to-face, not on your cell phone. So if there's another language you speak that not many people speak in your city, go to a retirement home and find an old lady who only speaks that language. Like if you speak Romanian in France or something like that. And research says not only will you be doing a good thing, which you'll always have in your back pocket, research shows you will be happier. You will get a boost. Your, your, your health meter will go up if this were a video game. It, it's good for you. It's literally good for you. Uh, helping people with something, doing vol- volunteer work is really good. And if you can't do that, just try to get outside. Walk your dogs. Walk with your... It sounds like you have a really good relationship. This puts you really ahead of a lot of people in life. Just walk with your partner. <laughs> there you go. There's that word again. <laughs> but, uh, God, this is coming up. Uh, anyway, um, walk with your partner. And there's something about walking in the same direction with the person you like of the opposite sex where it just feels we're going in the same direction. We're going to figure this out. And if you guys talk during these one-hour, two-hour things, and this was, like, it, like I, I'm really okay with the quality of my relationships over the last 10 years because my ex-wife and I still can call on the phone and talk and there's no bad blood. And I think it was a lot of those walks, like just those walks, because it clears your head and it's, it, Barry, you said something that I can't get out of my head, which is analog in a digital world. And I must, I must say that the person that said that to me is my partner, my fiance, uh, jo, she, Joanne. It was her that said that to me as an artist. Uh, and I joked with her. I remember saying that to Alex, and she, Alex really liked it. And she went, oh, did you tell him it was me? And I was like, that's right, it was you that said it. So, <laughs> uh, I, and I, I said many episodes ago to her that I would give her credit. And um, it's... Um, that is, uh, it was Joe that came up with it. She said to me that people prefer things that are analog, you know, rather like in this digital world. And I think I gave it the strap line of analog in a digital world. So it's, it's a team effort, but she really does take the credit, joking aside. Um, she, it, was her that, it was her thing that described it to me. It was, I can't even remember what it was I was talking about. Was it, it was either the retro games or, or something. Live yeah, and yeah, yeah. Saying, you know, that was it. Yeah, and she said, "Yeah, world. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah." It, it you know what it also is? It's mm-hmm. interpersonal. Yeah, yeah. It's about the quality of your interpersonal relationships and your ability to manage relationships is directly representative of how good of a live poker player you will be. There is a reason young twenty-somethings do not succeed at live poker. It is not because they do not have the wherewithal, the technical prowess. It is because the quality of their interpersonal relationships is suffering. And I think I've got a good career for the next 13 years because these twenty-somethings that are coming up do not have a shot. Mm -hmm. If they're going to keep this attitude up of I deserve everything, give me everything, everybody sucks. Like I'm sorry, you're not going to be good at live poker because guess what? In live poker, you get your ass run over a lot. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You need to be hu- you need the humility to let it go. You need and a lot of people don't have it. They don't have it. And yeah. it's uh it's really and yeah, it's analog in a digital world. It's fun. Uh, I love live po- almost every day I wake up, I wish I was playing live poker. I I wish I was playing live tournaments. I I got a lot of other commitments and that's cool because I love creating a business as well. 
I really do love that. But yeah, play, there's nothing like playing poker. It is, it, you, it, and it's because it is analog in a digital world. It is real. It's there. It's present. And online poker is fun, but it's like playing a video game. There's a new book out. I just bought it. I do this thing where I go to Barnes and Noble and I walk around and drink a coffee. And to show my appreciation, I take pictures of all the books I want to buy and then I buy them on Kindle. So I give all the money to Amazon. <laughs> so I'm probably killing them in the process. Yeah. But yeah, I, I saw a book at Barnes and Noble, which I bought on my phone for my Kindle, which was called The Revenge of Analog. Mm. And it was just, it, it's a guy trying to explain why people drift to vinyl or why people write things down in a book, and the, which is really interesting. When I'm, for the bars for my next battle, I have a battle with Innovate, uh, I think it's June 10th uh, in Fresno, and Innovate's this really weird but technical rapper uh, from Clovis, California. Mm-hmm. He just, he rhymes every other syllable, and it's a little, it, it's quite, it, it's pretty impressive when he nails it. He doesn't always nail it, but I'm writing everything in a notebook this time. Like just any, like I'm walking around with my little moleskin notebook that's too expensive, and I'm just writing, and I'm, I'm scratching things out, and I'm writing things in the top and in the margins, and I'm trying to match syllables, and it's just, it feels so much better than writing on my cell phone, writing in ever Especially in a moleskin. I mean, I love those notebooks. So does my oh. girlfriend. She's got them. We love the moleskin stuff. We Aren't they? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I was in Prague walking around with my moleskin. I was like, you know you're the biggest d- hipster douchebag ever, Alex, right? Oh, I'm going to write into my moleskin, and then I'm going to write on my blog about my travels to Europe. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, but it was fun. It, it's fun to play writer once in a while, and it's uh, and hopefully not play around it. I don't know. Am I a writer? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Of course you are. I, you got a book. Though. You've got a published book. Know, you're, right you're, an author. you're an author. <laughs> yeah, I have another book coming out. I just finished editing it. Wait till you guys see it. It's gonna be amazing. Like it's uh I feel like Donald Trump. It's gonna be amazing. Wait till you guys see it. It's gonna be huge. <laughs> yeah, I uh no, we have a new book coming out, my friend and I put together. And yeah anyhow. But there is anyway, I the thing I was gonna say is you want analog in a digital world you want your hobbies should all be as analog as possible so reading physical books is really good uh going uh when you are in a public situation i have this ultra low power mode on my samsung now where it only can receive phone calls so i can never do the oh i need my cell phone in an emergency, I can put it on that. The battery will last seven days or something ridiculous. And if there's an emergency, someone will call my cell phone. But thankfully, these days, that seems to be about the only time anybody calls mm-hmm. is when there's an emergency. I'm the only one calling people these days. And people go, why are you calling me when I do call them? Because I, I guess I'm supposed to send a text. Okay. But yeah, a- anyway, uh, just not texting, reading Real magazines, walking, walking your dogs, sports, outdoor sports are really good. Anything that can help you manage your health a little bit and burn some calories will pay off for the rest of the week. And if you're not going to do hobbies like that, I would say play games. Uh, If you can bring your partner into it, even better. And analog games, like games on the... uh, 
uh, games like Settlers of Catan or like it, it, table games or even Monopoly is perfect. Uno. I played so much Uno in Costa Rica and learned so much about it. With my father growing up, it was always gin rummy. And that was, I was really lucky because my dad, my dad never let me win. He would, he would deal me a gin rummy hand and he would like play to the death. He doesn't know how to lose. And I was, uh, obviously this is why I believe training Trump's talent. I was so dumb. But after two years of just playing around with a game, I could start seeing things that I didn't see before. And I think you just always got to be developing your games playing skills. And that can, if you're going to play pickup basketball, try to find, ask yourself, what's my edge on this basketball game? Where, where am I going to win? It's a, well, so-and-so is really good at rebounding and getting the ball in. And so-and-so is really good at the three point. Why don't we just have them three point? uh, Why don't we have him shoot a three pointer every time there's no one around the rim and we got a great rebounder to put it in. If he's not around, uh, if nobody's around and the shot misses, well, now you have a strategy and just none of these, obviously you're not Phil Jackson. You're not, it, it, but you got to play at commander. You got to play at strategy and you got to have fun. You got to always remember it's fun. We live in a first world country. I assume you do. Um, I've seen, we've, we've all seen real poverty somewhere. We're doing pretty good. If you can just have fun with it and enjoy the process of learning, Anything in life. Oh, anytime you can learn is another great hobby to do. If, if somebody's saying, I'll teach you how to uh, clean your gutters, and somebody else is saying, oh, I can just get you a deal on somebody to clean your gutters. If your time is really at a premium, just pay for it. But if you have the weekend anyway, just clean your gutters. Mm-hmm. Like, get in there, get filthy, be a man, and... I can't tell you how many times I clean up the house and I just feel amazing because I've been doing something analog in a digital world all day, which is I had to, I I had to shower down, uh, not shower down. I had to take out my entryway. I had to clean up a little bit because the dogs were hiding some messes. I didn't realize. And I was cleaning up and I was thinking this feels really good just to be a guy for an hour, like hook up my, hose and you know i gotta i gotta fix something i gotta run to home depot i come back and i flush it out and you you just feel a lot better after it's done you have something to look at i know like cleaning isn't the hobby you were probably expecting but i'll tell you what it gets you brownie points everywhere there's there's no woman in the world who goes you know what i hate is how much he cleans god what a jerk it's just a basic way of showing you care about the little castle you and her have together and it's good for you. I really think it's good for men to like get out there and be in the sun and fix something. I, I loved that about my house in Costa Rica, all the little things we had to fix, how that was what, how I, I first, I resented it the first four months because I, I'm, you know, a man child who knows nothing but how to play no limit hold'em, who doesn't know how to drive. So of course I didn't want to clean my gutters. And then finally when I got up there and did it and had to take direction from another man, had to take a lot of directions from another man, be humbled, be taught, mm-hmm. and be out in the sun and clean something, it does something for your poker game. It really does. It will humble you and get you focused and get you relaxed. And those are the kind of hobbies I try to focus on. I hope that helps, Nicholas. Yeah, and uh, just an important thing there that just made me think of is I've got a Kindle, and I think I've got like five books on it, and I've only read one ever on it fully. 
and I've got about maybe 200 or 250 uh, actual books and I still to this day always buy the actual book really I, mm-hmm. I just I can't take to the Kindle and reading on it I don't read on them for whatever reason I love I only read my Kindle and I'm not really I think it's more of a money issue for me because when I was in that Barnes and Noble I felt deep relief I I, I had not been in a bookstore, an English bookstore in, I want to say five years, and our true Barnes and Noble, right, our third place books, I, I hadn't been to one, our university bookstore, I just ha- hadn't, hadn't been in one, and going into there felt like going home, because I, I just kind of grew up bumming around libraries and just reading every poker book I could, and manga, and stuff like that, and I loved how nobody bothered me. I could grab any book and sit in a chair and read and drink my coffee. And I didn't, there was no commitment to buy anything. And I, I I was thinking this is heaven. And then when I go home and I'm reading my Kindle, that's work, that's study that that's because it's a screen. It's, it looks like my desk. So that's really helped me. You said you have five books on your Kindle. I have, I have 2000 and I've read at least 30% of a thousand of them. Right. To give you an idea, I give up on a lot of books. Yeah. That's my strategy. Or I go to sections. If I buy nonfiction books, that's the other thing. Uh, well, you know, I didn't buy all those books. When I started, I was downloading Terence. I'm not going to lie. But now I deleted all my Terence and I've bought a bunch of books. And when I buy them, I feel the pressure to read them because I invested $10 into it. And I like it, and it's it, but it is work. It reading is relaxing when it's analog, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's it's a little more like work when you're staring at the screen. Yeah, I and, just prefer uh, I prefer the actual hard. I usually buy hardbacks as well. Nice, <laughs> nice. Like, and I, I just yeah, I like you got that, that old white man money. You get yeah. you get into your loafers <laughs> and you and uh, yeah. smoke your pipe yeah, when you do that too, buddy. There in the library. You yeah, like you like Tom Clancy a bit there, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it's yeah. true. It's like I bought the new Ed. Well, I actually my partner uh, got me it for Christmas, and it was uh, Ed Thorpe's new book, the guy that came up with the beat the blackjack strategy, and it's I, called The Man for All Markets. Uh, how he went on and beat Wall Street for hundreds of millions as a hedge fund man. It's his autobiography. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm on to the second chapter just now, and. I'm trying to save it. I'm reading, you know, I'm finishing off another book, and I started that when I'm not finished the other one, which I very rarely do. But I'm trying to keep this one for the holiday because I want to read this really like and enjoy and it, it. It's a really good book. That's the other hobby you should have away from poker, by the way, is reading. I I I read for. You guys go, oh, that's a good point. Alex has a good point. I, that's another good point. That's why you guys listen to this show. None of this stuff is my own. I've repurposed it from other materials. I just went ahead and read them. All I did was read the instruction manual on life. Everybody's trying to write an instruction manual on life. Some of them are better than others. Some of them only have a few good points. But it's nice of these people to put together uh, instruction manuals, such as Seneca. He's really good. I like. But if you get into read, doesn't reading feel like an adventure? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you feel like that guy? when you're reading about how he took over all the markets. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you start thinking like successful people if you read enough literature from successful people, and that's what changes your life. I used to wonder, like when I was a kid, 
honestly, I'll give you the real context. Uh, well, I saw a black man walking down the street one day, and I wondered what is the world like for him. If I was inside his head, what would he see uh, for, you know, as far as, because people say there's racism, it's just not overt, and I just, I would like to know, right? And I was thinking, how's the only way I could understand what this, any person is going through is a book that's the closest you will ever get to thinking like another human being. Obviously, it's synthesized. Obviously, it's very hard to reproduce how another person thinks. But if you read a book by Warren Buffett, you will get to think a little bit like how Warren Buffett thinks for four to six hours. And Mm -hmm. you'll be able to do it for $10. Doesn't that seem kind of like a crazy deal? Magical, a really cr- yeah <laughs> magical well it is magic i i think carl sagan called it magical and uh who who was the other like tim ferris is a great example you just get to think like a great thinker for 700 pages and just love every minute of it and yeah that and it's 20 bucks that's that's kind of nice right if you were trying to get that as a private class it would probably be 1500 dollars. and uh yeah anyway yeah read more Okay, we going to do any other questions? I'm yeah, just yeah. Kidding. yeah, let's, let's go. go, let's go, uh, I know. This, this one is from Grant. Hey guys, my question is about using the HUD. At what number of hands on a player of the stats really start to give a true picture of a player's tendencies? Are there any stats that need more hands than others to give a more accurate picture? Thanks for taking the question and thanks for doing this show. Barry, I told you I'd walk off the set if I ever heard this question again. Did I not? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I get this one quite a bit. I always have the same answer. What would you think if it was live? People, people have a really... Here's the funny thing. In an analog situation, people have a really good sense of what numbers mean. Digital, they can't track anything. So I always go, if you saw 50 hands at a live table, how many orbits would that be? And they go, well, I guess that'd be about five orbits, uh, about 45 hands. And, I was, and if you saw five orbits and you saw a guy continuation bet four times out of four, what would that mean to you? Or you saw the guy check raise twice, or you saw the guy not fold twice on the flop, what does that mean to you? Well, it could be indicative of a larger pattern, so I should take it into consideration, but overall it's not... An, it, it, it's not a surefire thing yet. Great. Why can't you do that when there's 50 hands on the online HUD? It, it's amazing to me how often my students answer the right answer. They all know so much about poker, they just don't know how to apply it, which is, if you just think about it in a live situation, and if you played a 1,000 hands with a guy, people talk about a 1,000-hand database like it's nothing. No limit hold'em. I am tearing through 1,000-hand databases to see what a guy does. Because that's the equivalent of playing for a month with somebody in a live turn. I mean, not a month, a week with somebody in a live uh, poker game. Yeah, yeah, 200 hands a day if you're playing live times five. That's a thousand. Yeah, so you would be the same table every for a working week with one guy. Think of how deep that read would be. Could you imagine that at the card room? Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty big god. I miss playing cards, man. Laughlin had some games going last night. I had to, co- I had to come home and work. This sucks, dude. Ah, 
<laughs> ah, man, I just want to fire some chips in. You ever get like that? You just want to fire some chips? Yeah, and see it's, what usually happens? After, it's usually after doing the show with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll, go play, I'll go play and I'll Twitch stream or something. Oh, by the way, guys, uh, on the YouTube channel, we are releasing some new videos every day for four or five days. Uh, the Twitch subscribers got them exclusive for two weeks, but yeah. There's a one out right now, just Carlos and I discussing hero folds. Uh, it's very much a one-outer style format, but there's hand histories you can look at. And yeah, anywho, okay, do uh, let's last let's, question. Yeah, last question. Last question, and then we are going to do a back-to-back today, so uh, we need to pretend that we haven't spoken for hours. Uh, <laughs> I know. For a week on the next one, but we don't ever do it that anyway. I'm just going to stun you in the middle of airing with, how's the kid? Or yeah. something like that. <laughs> you know, to make it sound like four years has yeah, passed. Okay. Passed, yeah. yeah. Episode 800 and something. <laughs> um, all right. This one, last question for this show is from Yanis, or Janis. Yanis, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, hello. I have a question on metagame and getting into blind on blind raisin wars or button versus big blind, or similar positional raising and re-raising. I found myself in a few of these where I end up getting in, getting in blind on blind for 20 big blinds or more stacks with ace-x versus another ace-x or big mm-hmm. picture cards, and I've been up against 7-8 suited at other times, etc. What right. should I be doing or thinking about when I find myself facing 4 or 5 bets shoving these situations with marginal hands that could be the nuts also in these spots. Thanks. You know, I heard a really fascinating idea one time, which was if you're screaming, you lo- you missed your move three moves ago. If you're ever screaming at another human being, you have missed your move. There was a move for you to play in this chess match of life. You didn't play it. And to me, poker really reflects life. And if you're getting into these four, five, six betting wars, you missed your move three moves ago, which is you, you can get into these four betting wars if you have a plan. Uh, you, but there's also the overarching, overarching plan is to raise from the small blind quite a bit because Almost all database reviews I've done of the small blind has shown that the razor consistently makes more money, which makes more sense. You have way more options to neutralize your positional disadvantage and make this a one-street game if you are to pump the pot at the beginning and perhaps use some larger bets, two-thirds, three-fourths, one pot, 1.25x pot. That being said... There's many times at a live poker table I can tell I'm pissing someone off. And I know if I raise the guy three bets, I've got a four bet, six bet. But I'm looking six moves ahead before I raise my first chip because I learned from chess masters who were way smarter than me. That was, I saw a meme the other day, which is try to be the dumbest person in the room. One of the smartest things I've ever heard in my life, right? It's a, yeah, just, you want to be the dumbest person in any room, so you have the greatest potential to learn. Uh, I think an MMA fighter said that. I can't remember who. And I just, I surrounded myself by a bunch of guys who were into chess when I first got into poker, and they're, they're, you know who they are now. I don't think they want me sharing, they train me. Uh, 
I don't even know if they'd consider that they trained me, but they really did just by letting me in on their conversations. But they were always looking six moves ahead, three moves ahead. Because when they played chess, they had to look 19 moves ahead or whatever it was. Yeah. So before I raise preflop, I, I have the six bet in mind. I go, do I really want a six bet here? No. Okay, I'll limp call. Uh, a big example of this, I decided to get into a raising war uh, was when Zwan Lu uh, three bet me in, uh, in uh, the EPT Bahamas. Uh, the PCA. Before I, I had the King Ten of Diamonds, my first instinct when it folded to me was just limp in here. You've been playing a lot of pots. Then my second instinct was, oh, you know she's going to three bet you too much because you've raised four of the last nine hands. Just raise and jam. Mm-hmm. Now, I was really ashamed of that because I raised, she three bet. She had a posture which was like, please don't move all in. And the few times I'd seen her do that before, she had folded after somebody moved all in. I said, okay, I moved all in. And then she had ace-queen. She didn't want me to move all in because how, how confident can you be with ace-queen? So I said, okay, you know, run it. And then I was drawing dead on the flop because why not? And uh, don't, don't mind it. I didn't mind it because I planned the entire hand. I anticipated what I thought her three-bet was. If there was something wrong in my analysis, and I think if there was anything wrong in my analysis, it was... Zwan Lu is not a prolific three-better. That's not how she plays poker. I thought her three-bet probably climbed a few points because we were at the final two tables, and I I was just being absurdly aggressive for one orbit. But perhaps my estimate was a little too high. But do you you hear how I'm trying to plan through the the whole hand before I do anything? Because I was okay with that jam because I saw it happening. If I had raised there and the person three bet me and I got to consider it a four bet, I've missed my move. If, if we, in most of these four or five bet wars, I see guys like really hem and haw. I know they're hemming and haw and they did not plan this. And that to me is preposterous. This is one of the highest variance moves you could ever engage in at a no limit hold'em tournament table. And it yields such a small profit unless you have the guy pegged. I think that's why this move was seen as so sexy when it started. It just showed, oh, my God, I knew you were full of it, and I won in the game of chicken. My, here's how I play chicken. I, and this is a game theory experiment. Uh, ben Shapiro walks through this in his podcast recently, and I think he explains it better than I do. But if you're playing chicken, let's do some game theory here. If you're playing chicken, there's three options. Uh, Okay, you and another person drive your Chevrolet station wagon at each other at 60 miles per hour uh, with your Confederate flags waving. And there's, there's three options. One, neither of you swerve. You hit each other. You dive. You die. The best option is he swerves. You don't swerve. Uh, the third option is the worst option, which is you swerve. He doesn't swerve. You lose. How do you beat this game? Have you ever heard this, Barry? No. You announce, here's the way you beat this game. You announce you cannot swerve. You take your steering wheel off, and you set, you hit the accelerator, and you go forward. And, uh, and anywhere. Okay. Sorry, I just got a really weird YouTube message. Bro, baby wipes have harsh chemicals that enter the bloodstream when pressed against the skin. After years and years of use, you will likely regret it. Just saying... Dang, that got 
that got hardcore really quick. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, yeah. How how would you like to try to focus on a podcast when that pops up? But yeah. Anyway, it was in a YouTube clip because I told everyone, get baby wipes. They're good for you. But, yeah, anyhow, um, going on. Oh, hell. What were we talking about? Chicken game theory. Yeah, chicken game theory. Okay. You take off the steering wheel. You hit the accelerator. And the other guy has two options. Either he hits you and dies or he swerves. So guess which one he's going to pick. Now, how does this apply to poker? You only pick the best game of chicken. Every time, that's why I was emphasizing, I just sent out a video to master the flop guys, and I said, first, let's pick better flops. Let's make sure you guys are picking better flops. The flops I want you picking are in position, bigger pots, superior hand. Uh, I even came up with an acronym for it, if I can remember. Uh, PB Sandwich. So it was P-B-S-H, and that was position, bigger pot, superior hand, and H, what was it? Uh, heads up. There we go. Sorry for getting my own acronyms. I hadn't made an acronym for this one. But if you can do those things, according to most database reviews, it doesn't really matter how good the other guy is. He's not making money. Even, even a really good player in databases can only really break even in that situation. You just pick the best game of chicken in town. This is the guy who always swerves, especially if you focus on cat boards. The guy check calls you out of the big blind with 35% of his hands. Uh, he calls pre-flop your raise with 60% of his hands. The board comes six of diamonds, five of diamonds, three of hearts. He check calls, and you know he has any six, any five, any three. You, and, you pretty much become the player that will play chicken. That's, that's when you decide, I am playing chicken, I cannot swerve. And if people eventually understand you do not swerve, you go for flop, turn, and river, they're going to start bowing out early in the game of chicken. Because imagine a car is driving at you with no steering wheel at full acceleration, and you know the guy cannot turn. What is your first instinct <laughs> going to be, Barry? <laughs> yeah, ah, get, ah, get me out of here. Well, you want to be the guy like that. And I, I always played up to that image before. Now I think people just... They subconsciously know I fire too many barrels. I don't think I have to broadcast it too much. But every time I'm barreling you, I've already thought the entire situation through. That's why I don't really blink when I jam on you. I've thought about my range. I've thought about your range. And there really isn't a whole lot you can do. This is just, this feels like cheating to me. Like, just, you're only picking the games you can win. And you can figure out what those are. If you go to my book, The Myth of Poker Talent, and you take a look at the triple barrel spots, there's a lot of spots there. But, yeah, a a anyway, I would say you want to focus on the games of chicken where you know you're going to win. And here's the thing. Everybody knows in the 3-bet, 4-bet, 5-bet wars, no one's swerving. Because this is pre-flop like, okay, you accidentally jam Jack-7 suited and the other guy has 10s. Great thing about Null and Hold'em, you still have a 1 out of 3 shot to win. So nobody really cares about playing chicken preflop. It's a great way for bad players to feel like they're doing something. And that, that if, you can, if you get into a game of chicken there and you swerve, you deserve to lose. Because nobody swerves in this game of chicken. They swerve post-flop because they cannot do the combinatorics. I can't do the combinatorics. I'm 14 years into this. I still have to have cheat sheets everywhere, and I screw up things all the time. What do you think their chances are 
of ranging you correctly through a seven-card combo. I'm not gambling on it. I don't think they can do it. I think that's what you should gamble on. And on that note, let's wrap this up. Okay. And on that note, let's wrap this up, as Alex <laughs> says. <laughs> um, okay, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for uh, coaching, webinars, products, get on your newsletter, etc.? Uh, you guys can write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com. Uh, for pretty much anything. By the way, a little house cleaning. Master the flop registrants. Uh, materials are coming out every couple of days now. Uh, the way I'm doing my, this webinar is you guys are going to get 10 to 15 minute videos, homework, input. I change the upcoming videos based on your input. And then eventually you're going to have four, six hours of original material that's exclusive to you guys. And then we're going to do a 100 point question questionnaire. You're going to do an actual test. There, it is going to be timed. You will have a sheet, and you will send in the test to me, and you will get a score. And you can use this score with your backing houses. It will be a standardized test with me. It will be based on everything we discuss when it comes to flop play. It's really going to deduce whether you can process flops. This will give you, and if you don't want to go to a backing house or anything, this will give you a really good indication as to where your weaknesses are. On the flop, we're going to zero in on your leaks and get. Uh, we're we're going to focus on them. The pre-sale was 150. That's over. There's still another pre-sale. Uh, that's 199. Uh, you can, yeah. If you want to do that, write me. Or it's alexfitzgerald88 at gmail.com on PayPal. If you just, you can send the money and then I'll send you everything we have right away. And. Uh, the other thing, you can just write me. By the way, that's another thing, guys. I'm answering all my own emails now. There's no other assistant. Uh, kind of went through a bad downswing, and 200 separate one of you guys like wrote me an email saying, hey, really appreciate what you're doing. And when you're not feeling that good about yourself and like strangers come out of the woodwork to tell you we really appreciate what you're doing, I, uh, I can't tell you what that meant to me, and I, I think it's kind of BS if you write me an email and you don't hear back from me when you guys are the ones buying the products, checking everything out. Even if you don't have money, you're adding views on YouTube. That's a really big deal. Like, we got 10,000 views on the Plan 9 battle, and that just propelled me in another thing I was interested in. And there's a, t there's a ton of views on my other videos, and that helps me get up in the rankings. All that stuff really helps, and if you retweet, repost, all that stuff, which a lot of you guys do, that really helps so i i just i thank you guys for that write me i write I, you can talk to everybody i do write back uh i'm sure if you and if we can't get your question answered on email i'll just send it on to barry and we'll take care of it uh and yeah uh check out the check out pokerheadrush.com sign up for my mailing list that mailing list is where everything happens you get everything two or three weeks early so set sign up on my very ugly looking site I think and yeah the newsletter will look way nicer so yep that's it for me oh and twitter at the assassinato write me whenever okay and keep your questions coming in for Alex on this show as well as Alex said um, questions at com, and we will eventually get it get round to it on a future episode on that note thanks for listening and we will see you next week cheers cheers Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. 
Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. 